0: And so this is Christmas. What a wonderful thing it is. Merry Christmas to everyone. Those two words, Merry Christmas. It brings so much of joy to all of us. Doesn't it bring joy to your hearts as well? But you know what? As we as we celebrate this event all over the world, people are celebrating it, whether they know the reason for the season or not, they are still celebrating it. Shopping malls in countries that don't really acknowledge Jesus as Lord are celebrating it. Remember walking through the streets of Japan years ago, going through little stores, and even in the little stores, you have little Christmas songs. Nothing to do with Christ of Christmas, but still Christmas songs. And and, and it gives you that wonderful feeling. What a way to end the year with joy to the world. Joy to the world. Songs are being sung. People's spirits are being lifted all because, though they don't know it, Christ of Christmas. And we celebrate him today. Right. I trust you had a great night last night, fellowshipping with your loved ones, people that whom you love and who love you in return. And it's a wonderful feeling, you know, not so much the food and beverages, but more so the company that we have together as we celebrated last night. And this morning we woke up with the the whole fresh uh, uh, vision of fresh hope and, and and. Just the expectation that God would visit us once again, be born in our families again this morning. We celebrate Christmas together. But I wonder what it was like. And I'd like to take a little journey with you and go back into time and look at three probable scenarios uh, of the first Christmas, okay? So once again, we want to say welcome online. And I thank God that you are still with us in this service, especially this morning. We would have loved Love to have gathered. Some have texted me and said, Pastor, it looks like the government has given us permission. Yes, but they give us only 30 people. Uh, at each service, and then at the same time, the Council of Churches has advised us not to hold uh, celebrations because uh, the COVID thing is affecting so many people, and we want to be wise at this time. So, I trust that you understand our reason for still having our Christmas service online. So, let's get into the story together, shall we? There are three uh, probable scenarios. The first possible scene is in heaven. I I begin to think about how God has been absolutely silent. He has not spoken to his people. Now, when God does not speak to his people, that means he's also silent over the entire world. He has spoken to them and he has told them the reasons why his own people uh, and and told them why he's not talking to them. He's he's been hurt like like a lover's hurt, you know, where there is now going to be a silent treatment this is going to be a long, silent night over the entire world. Because when God does not speak to his people, that means he's kind of moving away from the planet. Although he still loves the world and he's holding the world together, all things consist, it, it held together by God. So God's holding the whole world together, just like he holds the entire universe together. But yet at the same time, he has not spoken for 400 years. And all this with the hope that man might begin to see uh, we miss God so much. And have you ever felt that feeling, you know, when you feel like God is just not there and God, I miss you, especially if you have felt him and you have heard his voice and now he's silent, you begin to think, God, I miss you so much. I miss you so much. But instead of doing that, you know, it is clear that man began to fill his cup of sin and it began to overflow. Man, the world got from bad to worse. And so here I, I begin to look at this. God is quiet. He just has not spoken. And then now suddenly... Rumor goes around heaven. Uh, the word gets around. It's it's more than a rumor. It's like everybody knows. The angels all begin to know that God is preparing to visit the earth after 400 years of silence. And the, the cup of man's sin is overflowing. And the wall has become a terrible place. There's a lot of bloodshed and a lot of evil that has been going on and building up over the years. So God is about to go to planet Earth And I can see the angels beginning to talk. God's about to go down to this little planet that he created and put life on. And he loved this, the the, the whole world, this, this little planet called Earth. He loved everyone in it. Time and again, he visited them and showed them his love and his power and his mercy and his grace. But man has become so bad. It was the only planet that God showed great love and it is rebelling against God. And now God is about to visit this planet. Let's get ready. Get the horses ready. And, you know, all the armies. Let's get the armies all ready. Let's go down. We're going to show the earth our power. The power of our great God, the commander of the Lord's armies, is going to visit the earth. Archangel Michael, who's the leader, the angel who is the warrior angel, he gets his arm and everything ready, all set to go, waiting for the command of the Lord. And then word comes that God is asking Gabriel, not Michael. come into his presence because he's got a message he wants to give to the earth so everybody says okay i think gabriel's going to give them a warning before we all go down and this earth this planet is gone it's finished it's done with gabriel comes before god and he says almighty one we bow before you and the armies are ready we are about to go archangel michael has got everything set in place God, tell us when, when shall we go? Are we ready? Just give us the time. Give us the moment. Say, go, and we shall go. And God says, well, I think, Gabriel, you you totally misunderstand this. So now there is a confusing plan that is put before Gabriel. This is what's going to happen, Gabriel. The Word, God, is going to go down to the earth but he's going to go in the form of a baby. (laughs) I want you to think what Gabriel must have felt when that message hit him. It, it, It became so confusing to him. God going down to the earth, you're not going to judge the world. No, 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 Gabriel, I love the world so much. I'm going to send my son. He's going to become a baby. And I want you to pass this message on to a woman there, a girl by the name of Mary. I will give you her location. And you go give her this message that she will be the one chosen to have the baby implanted inside of her womb. Now, I want you to think about what Gabriel begins to think in his mind. He's going, how is this possible? How could... God become a baby, a baby. And Gabriel has seen from the time he was created before the creation of the world, he has seen man created, he has seen babies being born. And he knows what a baby is like. And he begins to think to himself, how can this be? How could God become a baby? I mean, I can understand that the Messiah should go down with with, with fiery horses and the Messiah must go down, the, the, the Messiah promised Messiah must go on his one thigh is written King of Kings, on the other is Lord of Lords. He must go down with a flash of lightning, you know, fire. And, and, you know, when he came down on Sinai, when God came down, I mean, it was fire, but going down, there's a baby. This, this is absolutely confusing. God becoming a baby. I mean, God as a baby has to be cleaned. He he has to be bathed. He has to be fed. He has to be burped. A baby on the shoulder of an earthly woman being burped. God being burped. Think of how confusing it must have been. The plan was a confusing plan to the angels because they don't think like God thinks. They are not omniscient. They don't understand the wisdom and the grace of God. And so here he is. God being carried on the shoulder of a human being. A baby. And then again, not only was the plan confusing the the common people and the common place that God chose. Now, Gabriel is given the people, Mary, who is a peasant, girl, and Joseph, a carpenter. The address is Nazareth. Now, Gabriel would have thought if the king is going to be born, he has to be born in a palace. Is Mary? Does Mary come from a royal lineage, so to speak? Is she royalty? No, she's a peasant girl. One who has just gone through puberty, become a teenager, just, just barely escaping pimples and totally in love with a young guy named Joe and about to get married. They are planning for their marriage. But, and here is Joseph, a carpenter, a carpenter, Here is God Almighty, the very embodiment of wisdom, sitting at the table with a carpenter and having a meal together with him, gleaning wisdom from him. Joseph instructing this child, this God child, as he grows up in this family. Common place, common people. Also, the name, the chosen name that was given. The name is to be Jesus. God, Jesus. That that is like, you know, a very common name, a name that was known throughout Israel. Many in Israel had that name. Of course, it was not the name that we now know as Jesus. It was Joshua, the same thing. Joshua. His name shall be called Joshua. We know it as Jesus. Now to us it carries such a powerful meaning, wonderful name, because we have tasted of the power of that name. But at that time when it was introduced to Gabriel, he's going like, how can this be? And now when he comes towards Mary, he is to convince her that that which is the way to happen is from God. And Mary says, How can this be? And I think Gabriel was not so much speaking to Mary as he was to himself when he said, This is impossible with man, but all things are possible with God. So when God tells him, you know, I'm sure he's thinking, all right, I gave the news to Mary. Then he goes back to the father and he says, God, listen, when it comes to Joseph, you've got to convince him because I don't know. I mean, this thing is just too confusing. The whole thing is just, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me. So could you please handle Joseph? And God takes over and gives Joseph a dream. I think that could have been a possible scene. In heaven. But again, I want us to look at a phenomenal scene in Bethlehem itself. A phenomenal scene. Why is it phenomenal? Because a barn has now become a throne room. Strange kind of a thing. Strange kind of a throne room. This throne room, it's a barn. Now we need to understand that in the strangeness of of this whole thing, just 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 take a peek into the barn. This is, this is not the kind of throne room that you would expect. There are no tapestries. There are no nice deco and paintings and and finery. It's got cobwebs on the ceiling. It's got a hard floor. You've got and and, and here it is. There there there's a peasant young girl and, and a carpenter who tired both of them tired exhausted. And uh, some wide-eyed shepherd boys who have come to see the child that the angel pointed to, announced about. That's the surrounding that they have. It's not very nice, strange surroundings, strange sounds. (laughs) You don't have any flutes, any harps, any nice music that's being played. All you have is the mowing of a cattle or so, the grunts of a camel, the braying of a donkey maybe because this is actually the parking lot of the inn where everybody would leave their animals there and go and stay at the inn. Strange, strange sounds, strange smells. There's no perfumes of Egypt or of frankincense and all the nice things that you would have in a palace as you entered the very fragrance in a palace room in ancient days would fill your nostrils as you walked in. But this one, all you had was the smell of dirt and animal urine and manure. I remember traveling down, you know, when in Australia and also uh, in England and all of that. When when you when you're driving, or even in the states, when you're driving and you're coming and you know that there's a there's a whole uh, a, a ranch coming up on the other side, you know, or a farm coming up before you come, the smell would already hit you, you know, whether it's cattle or horses. I remember at one time we all went over uh, heading from the Middle East to our, our destination, and they took us around. I think it was Doha. It was in Doha. They took us around to go see the camels, then the horses. Man, the stench of where they kept the camels. Smell, man, was really overbearing. And here is baby, God had come into dirt and filth. That's why I say, you know, God is not afraid of dirt when he created man he kissed the earth and when he was born he came into this terrible surrounding because that's how the entire planet was god so loved the world and he gave his son into the world so in the eyes of god that's how it was stench dirty filthy hard floor strange stories were also being told at that morning the hustle and the bustle of the morning as dawn began to come into the city, a little town of of Bethlehem. Shop owners pulling up their the railings to their their shops and putting out their. Wares and pots and pans and noise being made. Little children waking up through the barking of dogs on the outside. Can you just picture this whole scene? Little dirt road going to different places, and all the shop owners coming out. People starting to walk out into the streets. The innkeeper himself must have got up a little early that morning, and uh, because. His inn was full, he had to prepare things, so he had to have a breakfast first with his children and his family, and so they sit down quietly at the table. And I, I was just wondering, did they ever talk about the couple that came in late at that night, their mother who was fully pregnant, and, and, and they had no room. For that couple, and had to send them up. I wonder the conversation ever turned to that couple. I wonder what happened to that couple. Did any of them ask that question? Was it ever a place of discussion around the table? I don't really think so, because you see, because Caesar, Augustus Caesar, had now made Bethlehem a very important place economically. People had come back for the census. So business was booming and everybody was now caught up. The time of depression kind of thing was over. Quote, unquote, no more COVID. Everything was bouncing back. So people were busy about, I don't think the subject of the couple ever came up because everybody was now becoming occupied with how they could get on in life. The first morning of Christmas. Strange stories. So I'd like to shift from a possible, uh, uh, this phenomenal scene in Bethlehem to the final scene, which I would call a passionate scene in the manger. Now, I'm sure you know that the manger is not the whole nativity scene. That was the barn. The manger is actually the trough where the cattle and the donkeys would feed from straw that was placed inside. It was not really a small one. It was pretty long so that each animal could put their head and eat. It was not just a tiny little manger that you see in a nativity scene. I wish it was so, but it was not like a little cradle filled with hay, okay? It was a long trough where the animals would eat, but that would have been the most comfortable place to place the child. In that little manger, There is this baby, divinity entering into the world on a hard floor through the womb of a peasant, the presence of a comforter placed in a manger. Holiness in the filth of animal manure and sweats. Majesty in the midst of the mundane, we say. God had come. He didn't come in the, like, like a bright noonday sun to the Apostle Paul. Didn't come as the inapproachable conqueror. Unapproachable conqueror. He came as a baby. And he's lying there. Mary touches the face of God. Angels watch as a peasant girl changes the diaper, the napkin of God the babe in baby form. I want us to think about that for a while. The first Christmas, the first Christmas. Take a good look at this baby. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's lying there. The Creator God has now become a created being. He came in the flesh. In fact, first John tells us that every, every person that does not confess that Jesus came in the flesh is the spirit of the Antichrist. He did come in the flesh. One of the first things we do when we look at a little baby is, you know, I don't know about you, but me. When each of our children were born, you first of all look at the hands. And there, Mary holds the clenched fists of this little baby. And she opens that little fist, looks at all the little fingers, oh, how beautiful they are. How beautiful are baby's hands. And and the moment she pries open the fish, she puts her little pinky inside and and immediately the baby grabs that pinky. This child, this hand would not hold a scepter like a king would hold a scepter, would not wave (laughs) from the balcony of a palace. This hand was made for things that we would not really associate it with. It would touch the rotting flesh of a leper and make it become whole. Touch the eyes of a blind man and cause him to see again. Touch a corpse, a dead body. According to the Jewish laws, all these things was not supposed he was not supposed to do, but he would touch a corpse and raised that little boy, the son of a widow named Ed Nain, and caused him to come to life. This hand would reach out to a sinking Peter and pull him up. And yet one day these hands would be tied down and nailed to a cruel cross. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful hands. Beautiful hands. She looks at his face and lifts up his little legs. Oh, those small little feet, those stubby little toes. And I tell my grandkids sometimes, you know, like Nadine and Jada, and and I would say, I want to bite. Grandpa wants to bite your toes. And they, and they would say, no, but, you know, they are so stubby and i catch the foot and I would bite it because it's, ooh, so chubby, so nice. And this feet would walk the Via Dolorosa for us, carrying the weight of, of the world upon those beautiful shoulders just for you just for me looks into his face and through slowly as he opens his eyes all he has is just blurry eyes but one day those eyes would become very clear and he would look into the hearts of men and know exactly what you and i are going through I thank God that his eyes are eyes of pure love, not of judgment, not, not of hatred, not, not eyes that make us feel so unworthy. Although at times when he looks at us, we go like Peter says, depart from me, I, I am a man. I'm an unclean man. God, depart, I am a sinner. Depart from me. Go. No. And yet those eyes at the same time, you know, would begin to draw us so close to him. Wonderful, beautiful eyes. So there we have it. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The song says the stars in the sky look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus, little Lord Jesus, asleep on the head. Goes on to say, be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me I pray population of Bethlehem was unaware that God had visited this planet. The innkeeper would never believe that he had sent God out into the cold. The population at that time that most people would begin to laugh if you told them that just outside in a little barn, the Messiah that has been prophesied for years, had finally arrived. They would have laughed at it. But you know what? Those who miss this wonderful Christmas, Christmas, this great miracle of God visiting the earth, one that was announced by the angels, joy to the world. The Messiah God has visited you. Peace on earth, will towards all men. The, the reason they missed it is not because they were—they were they were bad or, or because of evil acts or, or malice. They missed it because they were not expecting God. They were not looking for Him to come at that period of their life. And I pray that you and I, you know, will I be looking out for Christ during this Christmas? Will I miss it because of the hustle and bustle of the Christmas trees and there are lights and, and the grandeur of all that we have in celebrating the Christ, the cakes on the table, the food, the beverages, the laughter, the songs. In the midst of it all, can we miss the Christ of Christmas? I pray that you and I would begin to say, Lord, at the beginning of this day, as we celebrate your coming to man, coming As a person, as a human being, God, how is this possible? May God begin to say, let me become real to you once again. You can find me during this Christmas itself. Find me. I am available to you. Let the Christ of Christmas bring you joy to the world kind of thing. Let it come to your home your own personal life. If you don't know him as your own personal Savior, why don't you ask him to come in and say, Jesus, be born in me today. I don't know you, but I really would like to know you. Be born in this humble heart of mine with all this filth that I have on the inside. Come, be born in me this morning. That would be a great Christmas For you, it's also a great Christmas gift to Him when you give Him your life. Amen. So I pray that you will be blessed this morning as you celebrate Christmas. I also want you to know that this is just the beginning of uh, of what God wants to do in each of our lives. Let Christ become so real to us. Amen. That you will enjoy Him and uh, enjoy each other's company. Aren't you glad that God has given you good people, surround you with good people, At Christmas time, there are many who are lonely. There are many who are going through a very long night, the dark night of the soul, they call it. And I pray that God, the Christ of Christmas, would shine brightly into your life this morning. And I pray God's blessings be upon you. Let me just close this with praying for you. All right. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's not enough words for us to express our gratitude to you for loving us so much. It doesn't just say God loved the world. It says God so loved that he would allow his son to come, not as a conqueror, even not as a man, but as a baby, that we might celebrate him who went through all that we go through That's why he's able to uh, be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. I pray that anyone going through a tough time this morning, especially on Christmas when they are meant to be singing songs of joy, I pray, Lord, when they feel that they are so far away, like the song that we sang, Somewhere in Your Silent Night, you would reach down, touch them in a very special way. May they have a blessed Christmas day today. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Now, may the Lord so bless you, especially on this day. May he bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, lift up his face upon you, and give you peace in all your homes. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the blessed communion of the Holy Spirit Be with each one of you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great week. Don't forget, coming Sunday, we have a very special message of you on making a transition from here to the next year on uh, on, uh, this coming Sunday. And then on uh, Watch Night Service, we'll be having the Watch Night Service. Join us on that Watch Night Service as I want to share with you an encouraging message on gratefulness, on ending the year with gratefulness. I know it's going to be tough, but ending the year with gratefulness would be a wonderful message. And then on the first again, we'll be having, uh, first Sunday of uh, January, we'll be having the theme presented to you. And I trust that you will be blessed by it. In the meantime, enjoy your whole holidays from now until we see you again uh, at service on Sunday morning. Be blessed. Have a great time in God. Bless you.